I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And greetings to all of our patrons listening and chatting with us live as we record in our exclusive Discord community. Now, the BBC wrote this week, just after we recorded last week's episode, actually, slightly annoyingly, that the House of Lords Gambling Committee says video game loot boxes should be regulated under gambling laws. The Lords said that they should be classified as, quote, games of chance, which would bring them under the Gambling Act of 2005, according to the BBC. And the Lords report says, and um, this is an important quote, I think, If a product looks like gambling and feels like gambling, it should be regulated as gambling. Um, And the Lords warned that such a change should not wait. Another quote from the report. The government must act immediately to bring loot boxes within the remit of gambling legislation and regulation. That was actually according to a statement that came with the report. Now think back. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, this is coming from the House of Lords. So this is the uh, the other place, as it's referred to in the House of Commons, and is the more senior of the two houses. So it is quite significant that this is a, pro- a proposal, although yet has to be um, obviously ratified and, and go through the, the, the process. However, if it does... It could have a massive impact on how companies make money from free-to-play games in the UK. Think Fortnite or pretty much all other games um, these days. Uh, when you actually look at how the regulation currently works, and obviously we're not going to go into huge detail about the legalities of gambling regulation in Britain, but there are a few things that will basically stand as looking in quite sharp contrast to what you would expect for a game. So as a general rule, the minimum legal age for gambling in the UK in general is 18. Um, That excludes things like lottery, which I think is 16, isn't it? I think you need bingo at 16 or the pools. Mm, Good question. Don't know, actually. Probably the pools. Yeah. Uh, Also, you can advertise gambling, but if you want to do so on TV, for instance, um, for gambling products, which again, I think... excludes bingo and maybe some sport betting it has to be done after the 9 p.m watershed which would basically mean definitely excludes the lottery you can advertise the lottery before yeah um and advertisements uh they they are not allowed to be targeted or even appear to be targeted towards anyone under the age of 18 uh and and that includes things like the kind of presentation of an ad or the context or or the content you know so when you look at a lot of the promotions for games always very happy and lots of little squeaky colorful characters running around getting lots and lots of money you know that is very very clearly not going to pass if all of this were Mm. to um to turn out the way that at least the proposal suggests it might be um now but currently in the uk games that don't enable you to win anything in in money or in uh, money's worth that falls outside of regulation but when you look at actually how 
games are monetized with with loot boxes and the kind of things that you get in loot boxes you could argue that since sometimes you can directly buy some of those products for money and sometimes things can be traded therefore it has a value and therefore may fall within um the this this rule um so we're mm. going to come to a story about this a, a particularly interesting one i feel because it's one that i experienced this week that i don't think many people if anyone knows about worldwide so it's a bit of an exclusive retelling of this story um but before we get into the story um ian what is what was your first take on on loot boxes because you're a you know i know you're not as much of a gamer as as me and i'm not as much of a gamer as many people but you do play games and you do play games that have loot boxes so what what's your first well, take hmm. well i don't say so, well that's not quite true is it because destiny does have loot boxes in a in a sense that you can buy it, it, it's it's much more oblique in that game um and I, I i do i don't play any free-to-play games really with any regularity so i i, I do think that my ex- exposure to these things is is limited but i follow these stories very interestingly part, partly because um i'm kind of have to know the gambling rules and um and also because I'm, I'm i'm just blown away by the fact that this has been allowed to carry on for so long without any sort of uh, hint of regulation other, other countries have regulated um and I, I i feel like that is absolutely the right thing to do um, given that the you know there is very real money on offer here, and, and this argument that um, you can't win any money back, it just it doesn't say it doesn't mean anything to me. It's it's worse if anything. I mean, at least with actual gambling, you have a admittedly negligible chance of winning an actual cash prize. With a loot box, all the best possible scenario is that you're winning an in-game item. Um, and in a lot of cases these days, because the uproar from the, the you know the gaming community is quite big. Um, it is generally a cosmetic item. I mean, not always, but often. Like you, the free to free to play. People don't like free play to pay to win. So you know, games. For, for example, I mean, you you maybe could talk about this from the asphalt um, perspective. But um, you know, it, it, having a better car um, might make you might help you win the game in in, the, in those cases. So therefore, that's a kind of i suppose a trade-off you have to make internally um but they're very common as things that are just cosmetic items like for example i believe that's the case in Fortnite. uh the things that you can buy or roll for um won't affect your ability to play the game so you know but whether that doesn't really make any difference i think i think my point is really more that it's just why does it need to be like this like why can't they just you know charge you money for the things that you want in the game and the answer is because adding loot boxes reduces your chance of getting what you want which increases the chance that you'll buy more tokens therefore it's fundamentally quite a dishonest process um, and therefore I, i dislike it yes well i mean this is not the first time that we've talked about this and it's certainly not the first time that the issue has come up in the context of uh, proposed legislation and in fact actual legislation has happened i mean they banned loot boxes in belgium i believe last maybe last mm. year or the year before last i think the netherlands has taken a very strict view on it uh, as well and a lot of that only came about years and years after loot boxes became a thing because was it um was it Battlefront or Battlefront 2 where EA was charging for <laughs> yes. characters like Darth Vader, like really desirable yeah. characters or Princess Leia or something, and you could only unlock them through loot boxes, and eventually I think EA suspended suspended them. 
Um, yes, they took they took they took a EA has been through phases of this and has taken them out of the game. Um, and and then there's there's been some discussion. There's a very exciting game coming up called Star Wars Squadrons. Have you seen it mentioned or have any interest in it? I don't have any interest in it. No, right. Okay, but you know what it is. Uh, well, because yeah. obviously people were talking about that from a you know, will there be loot boxes or you know, will there be um, you know additional things that you have to buy? And I think inevitably there will be. But I think they've learned their lesson in terms of holding back characters for people who pay. I just think that's such a crappy way to treat people, especially when you're charging for a game. Um, and I would rather pay for a game. I would rather. I mean, Destiny is a habit that costs me basically sixty quid a year. So. You know, I, I I'm happy to pay that. What mm. I'm not happy with is, you know, the fact that then you are expected to pay more to make the game better, and I can live without the cosmetic things. But you know, I, I'm with annoying. you, and I don't mind the cosmetics. And I am going to talk about asphalt shortly, actually. Um, yes. But I just wanted to mention a few of the comments that have been coming in in the Discord while we've been chatting, because. Um, uh, I mean, Aaron, I don't know if you uh, mind me quoting this, but I assume you don't since you put it in the Discord. Um, it says, I want to spend about 2000 on a free-to-play game due to loot boxes. I believe Aaron is in North America, so I assume dollars, Canadian or US. Either way, it's quite a lot of money. Um, and uh, John Evans says the most... Uh, DLC he spent in a game is in Overwatch, which I believe is another free to play, isn't it? Overwatch, it's a, it's a. Uh, yes, yeah, no, 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 it's not, it's not. So you pay it, you you pay buy it up front, and then you... it. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, that's even that's uh, even more difficult. Yes, and but again, it's not with with Overwatch. It is only cosmetic stuff. Yeah. So okay. it, again, it's it's you know you're not affecting the outcome of the game, and there's there's yeah you know I I can't see a lot of reasons to do it personally, but then I'm not a big Overwatch player. I've played it occasionally. And Charlotte says that there is a big difference between loot boxes containing items that are needed to progress in the game, and when they're things like character modifications, yeah. like a fancy hat, which is absolutely hundred percent true and i think part of the different the, the difficulty with this is that it is in, in this marketplace particularly on mobile it is overwhelmingly more difficult to get somebody to pay up front for a game when there are so many other very very high quality games objectively speaking that don't cost anything to download and play and allow you to get quite a bit of fun out of it but ultimately down the line once you're kind of hooked and into it the 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 payment mechanics come into question so well, that's a also big you've difference got to, you've, you've got you've got to remember as well that the world's biggest games are all free to play and are all making billions um of of, of, of dollars a year um, you know, there are some games that I haven't even heard of. That like the number one most popular game in the world is very big in China, obviously, so it has a very large audience. Uh, but again, it's it's a free to play game that it, it clearly exists entirely based on you know funding from either in game items or or loot boxes of some kind. So you know, it, it's it it seems to be an enormously popular way of funding a game, and it's very very profitable. Well, I'm going to go into more detail on this now because I wanted to move into a, a story that uh, is highly relevant to this that I wasn't expecting to talk about. I was going to talk about this as a as this the next extra message uh, for patrons, but I've decided to talk about it here instead because it's so relevant to this news story. Uh, and it is about Asphalt. And um, to take a little step back here, Asphalt is a game by a company called Gameloft, and it is a it says it's an it's a very high end arcade racer. So think about something like Forza Horizon, um, something like that. It's very very high end 
graphics, lots and lots of real world licensed cars, real licensed music, uh, and mm. lots of stuff to play. But it is entirely free to play. Um, it is monetized entirely through in-app purchases, both in in terms of uh, like a monthly season pass subscription where every day you get a free item or a perk uh, and you get better ones and more of them if you if you paid that subscription um you can also buy very occasionally you can outright buy cars in the game uh, usually the better cars but more typically you buy packs of cards that contain uh, blueprints and you collect a certain number of blueprints to unlock a car and in principle and even without any money being involved it's not a bad system because it rewards you with blueprints for playing or for winning harder matches or as you rank up in multiplayer games you will win better blueprints and get therefore better cars and therefore progress even further and so you can play these games certainly this game without ever ever spending a penny and it's in that sense it is quite a fair system however the game has a huge number of cars and in the real world these are supercars these are your Bugatti Chirons and your uh, Lamborghini XYZ it's not a car you know what I mean the very high-end Aston Martins <laughs> Lamborghinis all this kind of stuff and 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 special supercars that had limited runs in in real life um, and for most of those winning the amount of blueprints you need to unlock those cards I mean you could probably play the game 24 hours a day every day for a year and probably not unlock them so You've got to be very, 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 very lucky. Um, or what you can do is buy the card packs, the loot boxes, uh, as they essentially, as they essentially are. And you can do those in a number of ways. And trust me, there is a reason I'm explaining this in all in very, very great detail. Uh, you can either pay to buy tokens, and you use the tokens to buy packs of cards, or you can just pay to buy bundles of cards uh, in packs. And sometimes you get multiple packs and sometimes you get um, tokens, which is the in-game currency as well. So it's, that's a long-winded way of saying there are lots and lots of ways to spend money depending on what's the best value at any given point. But it's also quite, it, it fluctuates quite a lot. And they have lots and lots of very limited time offers where something's available for just a couple of days or once a week. And there are some cars that only seem to appear for, for purchase once every Every year so when you actually get them they show up and it's like one week only and 90 percent off and it looks super super uh attractive and for the most part that's kind of fine because you can still play a huge amount of the game without paying but they made a mistake this week and this is what is making this so relevant and i've not spoken about this at all yet and i don't i haven't seen anyone else talk or write about this at all but gameloft made a big error and this week for about maybe 10 minutes i think it was on tuesday it might have been wednesday actually but for about 10 minutes when they did their daily update of uh, like a refresh of the card packs that were available it made available a card pack that contained 75,000 in-game tokens for five quid that's five pounds five dollars five euros it's about the same now that on its own that number on its own doesn't mean anything to the most people what can you or what is 75,000 tokens what does that actually get you to put it into context in order to just go and buy 3,000 tokens and that is the maximum amount of tokens you can buy in a single purchase costs a hundred pounds for 3,000 
£100 for 3000 And with so with buying one of these packs while they were erroneously on sale, you were getting the equivalent. I worked it out. You were you were getting the equivalent of about two and a half thousand pounds worth of in-game currency. Um, if you were to buy um, and there was no limit on the number of these packs that you could buy. And I just kept buying them and thinking, is it going to stop? Like, is this for real? And I ended up buying about half a million in-game tokens. So how much it, did you spend? I spent about 30 quid. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's about about 30, about 30 real pounds. And I was sort of expecting that at some point that it had an error or the game had crashed and I'd loaned back up and it was like, oh, you... Uh, this was a mistake, you know, here's your money back, but we've taken the tokens back. So I also started to quickly spend them. But the thing is, is if you normally buy a, a, a pack of cards in the game for about four ninety nine, uh, you might get, you might at most get 750 tokens because that buys you 10 of the premium in-game card packs. So that's normally for five quid, you might get a premium selection of 10 cards and i'd got half a million tokens by spending 30 quid and i i worked out this number as well and um that worked out at about sixteen thousand quid just over sixteen thousand pounds worth of in-game currency is what i managed to get for 30 pounds um uh, it, so th- this is obviously a mistake and for about 10 minutes you could buy this but eventually um it, it went off sale and and you couldn't buy anymore but i was but it still meant that i was able to buy hundreds of packs of cards which is like as i said it's it, this is the asphalt equivalent to a loot box um and having spent about a third of them so far that equates to about 5,000 quids worth of in-game currency that I've actually spent already. I have unlocked and specced up some of the best and fastest and most competitive cars that you can get in the game, but not all. And many, many, many more of them are still locked. And even the ones that were giving me the blueprints as I was just spending and spending and spending my way through this currency, I was still not getting all the cars. I was getting tons and tons and tons of duplicates. So... It, to me, and this is the bottom line, this error allowed me to really see for myself just how much money you could realistically be required to spend in order to unlock everything in the game. But the satisfaction when you get some of these cards popping up is really, really addictive and very, very satisfying. And so it really made me feel like, well, this this is how you see these reports of people spending thousands of dollars and thousands of pounds in these games because the game will the games will take that money and you still won't get everything you want. And I've got <laughs> sixteen thousand pounds worth of credit of credits in total to spend, and I've still not unlocked everything. It's it's it, it was very it was it was really illuminating. So this is your hobby now, is unlocking things because you've now got so many credits you can't ever reasonably get through them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absol- I mean, half a million is quite a lot, isn't it? So, Yeah, I mean, I've never had more than about maybe 2,000 at one go. You might, you might, just playing the game and not buying anything, you might earn uh, in a week maybe, maybe 500, maybe more. <sighs> But Crikey. about that, and I've got, well, I had about half a million. I've got left now, I think, about 
just under 300,000. Did you um, get but, anything you were really hoping for out of this? Yeah, loads. Fun, you know, plenty, plenty of it. Um, but has and, it ruined the game though know, now because you've well, got so much stuff? It does, and I didn't want to go too into too much depth on no. this in this particular story. But on the uh, on the extended version of this podcast, that's what we're going to talk about uh, a little later on in the show. Is actually sort of the ethics of this and the impact it has on things like multiplayer uh, and competitiveness, and whether that's basically a form of cheating whether it's unfair whether i should stop playing as well as that so we are going to come back to that uh in a little bit but i but i just thought in the context of the house of lords proposal what we've seen in other countries like this allowed me to see firsthand just how much money you can pump into these games and and asphalt yeah. nine is by no means unique in this regard i mean i'm only picking on it because i play it and this error happened this week but realistically this could be in any game and you could spend that money if you wanted to the shop's still open so yeah. um i think it is an important topic that we that we address because yeah that's yeah. kind of ridiculous and i and i think that i i certainly see this um from my own experience and kids obviously want to buy in game things like um my kids play Ro- robux roblox oh roblox, roblox whatever yeah. it's roblox uh, and want to buy robux uh, and i'm very firmly no uh, not because it's particularly. Um, I don't think it's like that. I think you're, what you're doing is you're essentially able to pay for certain things. It's not a loot box game, I don't believe. Um, but I just, you know, I just don't want to. It never ends once you start that. Um, and I know that their cousins have access to these things as well. And I'm, like, oh, I'm on a losing battle here. But for, for as long as I can, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna resist the uh, in-game currency thing for kids. Ars Technica was one of a number of outlets this week that wrote about the Unreal Engine developer Epic Games, probably heard of them, which released a uh, an app called Live Link Face, uh, and it's an iPhone app that uses the front-facing 3D sensors in the phone to do live motion capture for facial animations in 3D projects like video games, obviously, or films. Um, uh, Oz said that the app uses tools, official tools that Apple makes available using its AR kit framework, as well as its true depth uh, sensor, which is what's used for Face ID uh, for unlocking your phone and things, to stream live motion capture from an actor, but presumably from anything that's being detected as a face, looking at the 3D Sorry, looking at the phone uh, and mapping that to 3D characters in the Unreal Engine, which would be presumably working on a, a workstation nearby. Um, but there's a, again, I'm quoting ours here. It says there's a clear selling point for a narrow audience, at least, which is that indie developers and filmmakers can use apps like this on the iPhone for motion capture and essentially bring virtual characters to life um, that is usually... Uh, in the confines of a well-equipped studio with lots of money and therefore not minor players or the sort of one person and their dog development studios. Uh, And the motion capture of the iPhone sensors isn't going to be as accurate as for the big Hollywood studios, um, but it's at least now available to smaller teams uh, and it was cost prohibitive before. Now, that all seemed to me like a fairly positive, optimistic set of statements and an exciting development for 
people like us who just like seeing cool stuff happen on things that we already own. Um, but we have an extended friend of the show, Marta Svetek, who is a motion capture artist, um, extremely familiar with the technology required um, of a motion capture studio because it's her job. And she's been on the show before talking about motion capture on a couple of occasions. Um, so I thought rather than Ian and I talking around this for hours on end and getting half the stuff wrong, um, I just called her up and asked if she would talk to us about what she thought of this. Interesting side note, because Marta is such an interesting person, the first time I spoke to her, she was on the back of a horse, and then she <laughs> called me back when she was on a train. So that's two modes of transport. Uh, but we finally settled on the third and final choice, which is while she was sitting getting her hair done in a salon. And so that is where the following interview took place earlier on today. And I asked her if Arza's description of the um, the technology was justifiable or justified in its optimism. And this is what Marta had to say. It is an optimistic view. These, the, the, what you have to keep in mind always with these apps is that the underlying technology was not meant for motion capture. It was not made for motion capture. It captures the bare minimum of the facial movement that is required for its original function. That means that the capture that you're going to do, that you're going to get, the data that you're going to get from the capture with this technology is going to be fairly rudimentary. Now, facial capture is very difficult. Even with the most expensive head-mounted cameras, like from Faceware and from some other great, um, great makers of these uh, setups, it is very difficult. It requires a lot of detail that needs to be captured from our facial expressions. Now, we are very sensitive to the language of our faces, of looking at each other's faces. We pick up on the smallest inconsistencies and we have such micro-movements that still communicate things to us. So an app like this is never going to be fully true in its capture. That said, a lot of people in the indie film and um, indie video game development areas, they don't need that level of detailed capture because their character models are also much simpler. So cartoony character models, character models that are not necessarily photorealistic humans or humans at all, but need to convey human facial emotions, the face types. It can be very effective for that. And at the end of the day, the reason you do motion capture and not hand animation, the main reason is to save time on animation. Because technically you can hand animate everything. But motion capture records that animation for you so you don't need to, you know, by hand animate every single little moving part. And if this technology can save these developers the time they would spend on animating their characters' faces, then that's awesome. The other reason why it would be exciting that Epic or Unreal did an app themselves is for previs. Now, you, what you in an ideal world want to do as fast as possible is pre-visualize the movement in, of the character on the character rig in the environment it's going to be in. Now, Unreal Engine is perfect for that. That's what it's, is, it's been used for for years. So if their app can make it easy to stream your motion capture live into the engine and you get to see a really good mock-up of your end result, then that is worth a lot um, to the individual creator and is bringing a Hollywood level of sort of a production pipeline to the individual. That said, it still will not be as anywhere near as detailed as what the big setups can do. So 
you know, it's a, it's optimistic to say now Hollywood style production can be brought to the individual, but it's definitely a big step towards it. And I want to say at this point as well that this is not a new concept. Using iPhones for facial capture has been happening since the iPhone came out. It was just a little bit more bootstrapped. There is a very important distinction between how we capture faces versus how we capture bodies. Faces to this day are incredibly difficult to capture because of all the tiny little points that we need to capture, whereas bodies are much easier. And so for facial capture, you're still going to have to do cleanup, like a lot of cleanup on the data, even if you have the best rig in the world. But if this can get you there faster, that is already, you know, saving you time and money. So it, it'll be good for previs. It'll be good for facial capture for certain types of characters, regardless of how big, you know, your studio is. If your character rig does not require that level of detail on the face, why go the complicated route? So there's Marta Svetek talking about her opinion on this as a motion capture artist, a professional motion capture artist. Um, we'll include a link to her Instagram in the show notes at uktechshow.com and in the MP3 description for the podcast. Um, off memory, I believe she is at Martholio was in M-A-R-T-H-O-L-I-O on Instagram and she posts a lot of videos of behind the scenes uh, of her mocap work and I would strongly recommend anyone interested in that to have a look at that and give her a follow. She is a fountain of knowledge and, um, and, uh, and a very competent axe thrower. Not even joking. Yes, uh, I was hoping to find out firsthand about the axe throwing ability of Marta, but unfortunately the uh, coronavirus put paid to that and we're having to wait until this is all over. Now, we used to do this at the beginning of the show, but uh, now we've moved past our first story. I just wanted to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. If you're one of them, this is, of course, your extended ad-free version of the show that you're enjoying. And we'll be coming to back to the loot box topic in a little bit, as we mentioned. Uh, but I wanted to, in particular this week, thank patrons, including Mark Hall, Ian Baxter and CJ, uh, who all joined us as patrons since our last episode and are joining the wonderful listeners who are supporting us directly so if you're enjoying the free version of the show and might want to consider becoming a patron and supporting us directly you'll get our ad free full length show our patreon exclusive weekly sister show extra message a lot of people get that uh, as well as access to our private discord community that many people actually have been saying is one of their favorite aspects of being uh, a patron but either way if you wish to do that you can go to patreon.com forward slash uk tech and learn more and there's no commitment well obviously as come as as no surprise to anyone at this part of the show uh, we remind you that text message keeps you informed about the british text tech landscape uh, but let's check in with our good friend tom Merritt at daily tech news show and hear what's been happening in the wider world of tech over the last week it was Security Week on DTNS this week. Stephanie Ihazuku helped us avoid getting socially engineered. Kirsten Brazier talked to us about the real dangers of industrial security. Seth Rosenblatt from The Parallax gave us tips to keep our work and personal data separate and secure. Mike Johnson and Alan Alford of the CISO Series podcast helped us understand how to keep our businesses secure. And Alyssa Miller told us what we do and do not need to worry about with deepfakes. All that and a lot more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Well, that is a breathless Tom Merritt, if I've ever heard one, cramming uh -huh. all of that into a 30-second promo. It did good. 
he did good and i thought the security week was was very very um timely and interesting and i would highlight the deep fakes episode um as well because one of the topics that came up during that discussion was around the growing risk of real-time deep fakes which is where you could essentially i mean they gave an example of um of quote-unquote elon musk showing up in somebody's zoom call and uh, and actually convincing somebody that Elon Musk was crashing their stream. And so we always talk about, well, have traditionally talked about deepfakes as these kind of post-produced things that have been deliberately manipulated in order to, um, to be uploaded somewhere, whether that's for revenge porn reasons or for political reasons or whatever. But I hadn't really thought about it in the context of real-time participation in events in some form where you can actually have a two-way exchange with a quote-unquote person so uh, anyway that's all out dailytechnewsshow.com um, i do definitely recommend that particular episode but the whole week was was very very good um ian i feel like our whole week has been very very good but it's been made it's been taken to a, a new height by spending an hour or so in your company today so thank yes. you for that well it's been a, it's been wonderful hasn't it always it always has. lovely even though the rooms that we sit in to do this get hotter and hotter as the uh, podcast goes on and i don't know about you but i'm uh, i'm now quite warm yes i'm quite warm yeah um well if we were together in person then we could um, strip off our clothes and go into the other room and have a bit of a struggle but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i have to go and edit a podcast now so thank you listeners thank you patrons thank you everyone for listening live and we'll see you in one week for another sweaty instance of text message. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.